Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 51, Joseph, Joseph, and Joseph. I'm so thrilled to be able to say episode 51. I began Sister Scriptorians on February 24th, 2018, so a year ago. And every week I have uploaded a podcast episode to share my thoughts and my impressions about the Book of Mormon with you. And I hope that you, along with me, have learned, likened, and lifted others one principle at a time as we strive to attach ourselves to God's word and to his perspective. And as we do our very best to be able to see his ways and to understand his mysteries and to have more faith than we have fear. And if this has been your experience as you have listened to this podcast, I would appreciate your kindness if you would go to iTunes and give Sister Scriptorians a rating or even a review. That would be awfully kind of you and it would make my day. So today we find ourselves in 2 Nephi chapter 3. And it contains the tutoring that Lehi gives his youngest son, Joseph, before Lehi leaves this earth. Lehi reminds his son and us that just like Jacob, Joseph had been born in the wilderness of Lehi's afflictions. In the days of Lehi's greatest sorrow, Joseph is still little, yet Lehi desires to give him some direction that he hopes his son will remember. And just like he did with his elder sons, Lehi consecrates the land unto Joseph, the most precious land, for Joseph's inheritance, along with his seed's inheritance, that he will experience security in the land if he keeps the commandments of the Holy One of Israel. But along with this counsel, Lehi assures his son Joseph that Joseph's seed will not utterly be destroyed. And Lehi likened it to a covenant that the Lord made with another Joseph over a thousand years before his time. Lehi never came out and said this, but it's my belief that Lehi named his youngest son after Joseph, the son of Jacob, who lived thousands of years before they did. Joseph is the son, if you'll remember, who was sold into slavery by his jealous brothers and that these brothers then went back and told their father and deceived him into believing that a wild beast had devoured him. Therefore, he was dead. But he wasn't dead. He was very much alive because they had sold him into slavery, and he had been taken to Egypt. And there he was purchased by a man named Potiphar, who was captain of the guard of Pharaoh. And Joseph was highly favored by Potiphar, for everything prospered under Joseph's hand. And wisely, Potiphar made Joseph overseer over his house, and again, things prospered. But Potiphar's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she desired him to lie with her. But he wouldn't, no matter her advances or her entrapments. That didn't stop her from deceiving her husband lying to him that it was Joseph who actually tried to lie with her. Therefore, Potiphar put Joseph into prison. But the Lord was with Joseph, because Joseph's actions permitted the Lord to be able to be with him. And eventually, 
through a spiritual gift of being able to interpret dreams, Joseph was able to be of great assistance to the Pharaoh of Egypt. The Pharaoh of Egypt had had a dream in which he stood by a river and he observed seven hefty, fat-fleshed cows come up out of it. And the cows went and they fed in the meadow. But then he saw seven other cows come up out of the river. But they were not as healthy looking as the first seven. Instead, they looked ill-favored and lean. And these cows went and stood by the healthy cows. And instead of grazing like the healthy cows were doing, the lean and unhealthy cows devoured the healthy cows. But even though they consumed these cows, they still looked ill and they still looked unhappy. None of Pharaoh's wise men were able to interpret his dream. But Joseph, who was still in prison probably for several years at this point, and who was known for being able to interpret dreams, Joseph could. He told the Pharaoh that the land was about to experience seven years of great plenty, but following There shall arise seven years of famine, and the famine shall consume the land, and the years of plenty will be forgotten, because how devastating the famine will become. And what is most impressive to me is that Joseph didn't just provide an interpretation of the Pharaoh's dream, but he was given a plan, and he relayed that plan to the Pharaoh. He gave the Pharaoh a plan on what to do in order to be able to weather the tribulation that was coming to the Egyptian people and to those surrounding Egypt. Joseph counseled Pharaoh to find a man, discreet and wise, and to set him over the land of Egypt. He instructed that a fifth part of the land of Egypt shall be gathered of all its food and then stored. The corn shall be stored for seven years of famine, so that the people would not perish. So that even though that they were living in seven years of plenty, they were preparing for these seven years of famine. It's remarkable. Right here in this story, the Bible is capturing emergency preparedness and food storage. And the Pharaoh, he found it to be good. And he didn't need to look too far to find a man who would be wise and who would be guided by the Spirit of God in this matter. So Joseph went from prisoner to vice-regent to the Pharaoh. And he was set over the land of Egypt and carried out the plan of setting aside a fifth of their corn for the coming years of famine. Joseph, who had been mistreated over and over again, yet stayed virtuous in his thoughts and his deeds, so that the Lord could be with him, literally was able to then bring salvation to his people. How? The famine came And it was brutal. It drove his brothers in search of grain to Egypt to purchase the stores of corn that Egypt had wisely put aside. And through his obedience and staying close to God, Joseph could provide the bread that would spare his family's lives. That would allow the house of Israel to grow and to flourish into what it was intended to become. This great man, Joseph, was an ancestor of Lehi's. Lehi came through the line of Joseph's son, Manasseh, and preserved upon the brass plates were prophecies of Joseph that are lost to us in our Bible, but are restored unto us through the Book of Mormon. 
Now I know that that was a lot of ramping up to get to the main point of 2 Nephi chapter 3, but I have one more final example to help prepare your mind frame. So several years ago, my husband and I really got into watching this show called Touch. And it was a drama that showed how interconnected we really are, how seemingly unrelated people all across the world, how their actions and their choices have the potential of affecting one another, near or far, in seen and unseen ways. And the storyline was intriguing to us for quite a while, until we, I think, just became maybe bored and got distracted probably with some other new show. But I remember while I was watching it being curious because I felt like I was perhaps having a human glimpse into what God really does do. How does he keep us all straight, moving forward, and impacting one another's lives at the right time and in the needful way? And that is exactly what I see rolling forth in chapter 3. It is God's grand plan, the intricate moving of his children to be in the right place and at the right time, not too soon and not too late, but right when it is to be. Lehi taught his son Joseph that the Lord made covenants to Joseph, the son of Jacob. The same covenant that was now being reinforced through Joseph, son of Lehi, that the fruit of his loans would not be utterly destroyed, but that they would be an important part of God's plan in bringing his children unto him. Lehi captures the prophecy of Joseph, son of Jacob, declaring that he had obtained a promise from the Lord that out of the fruit of his loans, or in other words, Joseph's posterity or his descendants, that the Lord would raise up a righteous branch unto the house of Israel. And it's not going to be the Messiah, but it is going to be a branch that will be broken off, or in other words, moved away from the main body of the house of Israel. And they will be remembered in the covenants of the Lord. And speaking of the Messiah, he's going to manifest himself unto them in the latter days, and he's going to bring them out of darkness and into the light. I love that reassurance that's being given thousands of years before it's actually going to happen. And we know because the Book of Mormon's main theme teaches us that the seed of Lehi is the broken branch, and he is the fruit of Joseph's loins. Interestingly enough, so was Ishmael and his family. They were descended from Ephraim, who was the other son of Joseph. So Joseph had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And the people that we will refer to as the future Nephites and Lamanites, so it had mixtures of Zoramites and Ishmaelites and so forth, but they are the stick of Joseph. Joseph also prophesied that the Lord would raise up a seer a choice seer unto Joseph's descendants. Now a seer is a person who is authorized by God to see spiritual things that God has hidden from the rest of the world. A seer knows the past, the present, and the future. And we usually call him a prophet. And this seer will also be a descendant of Joseph's. And he will be highly esteemed among the fruit of Joseph's loans. 
And the work of this seer will be to do a great work for the descendants of Joseph. Because he's going to bring the knowledge of the covenants that the Lord has made with their fathers unto them. And he will be commanded to do no other work except for the work that the Lord will command him to do. And because of this, the Lord will make him great in the Lord's eyes. This seer is going to be like unto Moses. Now pause for a second, sister scriptorians. Moses came after the time period of Joseph of Egypt. I think it was approximately maybe around 200 years after Joseph's time. It would be Moses who would free the Israelites from bondage in Egypt and lead them out. And the Lord revealed this to Joseph well before they were even in harm or threat of bondage. So Joseph knew about Moses, and he likened this seer to be as great as Moses and just like Moses. He's going to deliver his people from bondage. This seer will also bring deliverance by bringing forth the word of the Lord to Joseph's seed. It will convince them of the Lord's word. It will free them from spiritual bondage. How is this all to be done? We have Joseph of Egypt, son of Jacob, who has brought salvation to his people and to the Egyptians, and he is prophesying of a branch of his posterity down the road, a thousand years from then, being broken off and preserved, and then later, a couple thousand years after that, a seer will be raised up to deliver them out of darkness and to restore the Lord's word unto them. How will this seer convince the fruit of Joseph's loans, who have been in a long stage of ignorance, that they are of the house of Israel, and that the God of Israel remembers them, and he remembers the covenants that he has made with them? In Joseph's prophecy, the answer has been restored to us. The descendants of Joseph will write, and the descendants of Judah will write, and their writings will grow together, and the power that this partnership will ignite is the ability, the scriptures say, to confound false doctrines, to lay down contentions, and to establish peace. We know that this refers to the Book of Mormon and the Holy Bible. No wonder our church leaders beg us to read the Book of Mormon. The Lord will strengthen this prophesied seer. He will bless him. And those that seek to destroy him shall be confounded. This seer, and this is, I think, where the prophecy gets so cool. Because it gets specific. Joseph of Egypt, son of Jacob, prophesies that this seer will be named after Joseph, son of Jacob. He will also be named after his father's name. He will be named Joseph. And Joseph the seer will be like Joseph, son of Jacob. He too will bring salvation to God's people. Joseph testifies, I am sure of these things, even as I am sure of the promise of Moses. For the Lord hath said unto me, I will preserve thy seed forever. We know 
that this seer, this great prophet, who Lehi spoke to his son Joseph about, who Joseph of Egypt, son of Jacob, spoke thousands of years ago about, we know his name to be Joseph Smith Jr., son of Joseph Smith Sr. Can you imagine the thoughts and the emotions that flooded the body and soul of Joseph Smith as he translated 2 Nephi chapter 3, 2,500 some odd years before he was even born? The idea of him was known to the branch that was broken off from the house of Israel and who were carried by the hand of the Lord to the promised land. And over 3,000 years before he was born, Joseph of Egypt, the son of Jacob, was assured that salvation would come to his people even through a descendant of his who would be raised up by the Lord to be a great seer. All of this maneuvering done by the Lord to have his children placed on the earth at the right time and under the right circumstances it testifies to me that there are no accidents or coincidences. When it comes to the work of the Lord, all things are done in his wisdom. And I may not understand all things. If I had been Joseph back in Egypt, I probably would have said, okay, time out, time out. My people are going to be in bondage? After all I've done, is that really necessary? And I still don't know why the Lord chastens his people like he does. I, don't, I still don't understand what his purposes are. But you see these prophecies and you see how it does come together. And I can't help but exclaim, how great thou art. Now I pause here for a second to just marvel for a moment. The God that we call Father and the Lord that we call the Holy One of Israel. If he can do all of this, starting from the pre-existence and place Joseph where he needs to be and then raise up Moses and equip him with everything his task will require. If he can already know before the Israelites are even in bondage that they're going to need to be delivered and that he's going to need to take a branch off and he's going to transplant them in a preserved promised land that he has kept hidden from the rest of the world for his purposes so that he can fulfill his covenants to his children that to that broken branch he can reveal to them that destruction is going to come but he will send a great seer that will restore them unto him and bring salvation to them despite the darkness they have endured he's got their back sister scriptorians what sort of god do we call father is it possible that he has everything under control? Is it possible that there are no surprises to him? Is it possible that everything is happening as it should? And I mean everything. All the joy, all the pain, all the miracles, and all of the destruction. Is it possible that it is all as it should be? And if it is... 
And if we compare it to the pattern of God that we have discovered so far here in the scriptures, then that means that he is making all things work together for our good and that he is not going to forsake us. He will keep extending his arm to us, sweeping us up into his protective embrace if we just hold on to his word. Because of the supreme creator, the upholder of all things, has been able to patiently roll out his plan from the beginning of time. And you see, he doesn't have contingencies like we do. Contingencies are things that mortals put into their plan to give room for the unpredictable and the inadequate. But he doesn't need that because everything that he does is purposeful, line upon line, steps in moving forward. Then it is probable that he does have everything under control. When I hold that thought for just a moment, the spirit does whisper to me, do not fear. And it's just like the show that I referenced earlier. He has the seemingly unrelated affecting one another in ways that are both seen and unseen. But the difference with him is that it is all working out for our good. It eventually all does work out. And I don't say that lightly. I know there are some that might question that notion Because you feel that pain of not being able to see it. But I encourage you to find a way to place your faith on it and to allow hope, even a sliver of it, to allow a sliver of hope into your heart. And it will grow and it will dispel the darkness. Many more things did Lehi reveal to his young son, Joseph, regarding his ancestors' prophecies more specific prophecies about Moses and his need of a spokesman. The Lord knew it before Moses was even a blip on the earth that he was going to need a spokesman. The Lord had Moses' back. How does he have your back? Joseph's prophecies revealed that the Lord would provide Moses with his law. It revealed how he would work with Joseph Smith in bringing about what we know to be the Book of Mormon. But what Joseph referred to as the fruit of his loins crying from the dust. The Lord had a plan for this too. Their faith would not be wasted. And neither will yours. In fact, because of their faith, their words which were weak. And this actually is the anxiety of Moroni's heart towards the end of the Book of Mormon. That his words would be weak and that we would mock them. But the Lord knew before Moroni or Nephi even drew breath that their words would be weak. And he already had a plan that he would be prepared to make their words strong so that his purpose of reminding his children of his covenant with them would be fulfilled in every way. The Lord takes us and he, in his way, makes us mighty. And sometimes you may feel mighty. And in other ways, you may feel anything but. And I'm sure Joseph, I'm sure he did not feel mighty as he sat in that prison. Yet the Lord was with him, preparing and strengthening him for the work that he would need to perform at the right time and in the needful way. The Lord will consecrate our afflictions for our gain. 
He will make weak things become strong unto him. He will deliver his word unto us that will confound false doctrine, that will lay down contentions, and that will establish peace in our lives, and most importantly, in our hearts. And why will the Supreme Creator do this for you and for me? Because he knows our faith. And just like he knew the faith of Lehi's seed, who cried from the dust, and just like he did not forsake them or forget them, he won't forget you. Sister Scriptorians, somehow, some way, the Lord is making all things work for your good. It is his character to do so. I don't know how he does it, but he does. Ask him for understanding this week. Also, I encourage you to study the life of Joseph Smith, the great seer, so that you can learn further the workings of God in your life. Have a good day.